Ah, sweet land of liberty. Our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinock. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, friends. We have a very special show today. My good friend Greg Hamilton, president of the Northwest Religious Liberty Association, has written and published a new book, Soul Liberty, Celebrating America's First Freedom. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, Greg. Thanks, Alan. So, you know, I'm struck by the title, Soul Liberty. You know, we talk a lot about religious liberty or religious freedom, but that term soul liberty, I don't hear that very often. Why did you choose that term? Is that a historic term of some kind? Yeah, it goes back to Roger Williams, uh, who wrote a pamphlet called Soul Liberty, and it's basically arguing for freedom of conscience, liberty of conscience, and the soul being the conscience, and thus your spiritual being, um, needs to be uh, separate from the state and, of course, the state separate from the church. And so he was the originator of the concept of the constitutional separation of church and state that the founders, nearly 200 years later, adopted, and Jefferson and Madison and, and so on. And so they really believed in this cause. And, of course, it was advanced by Baptist preachers such as Isaac Backus and John Leland, and others uh, who influenced those founders. And uh, during the constitutional founding, and especially during the uh, the push for a Bill of Rights, so as to um, finally allow for the ratification of the Constitution, because without a Bill of the People's Rights, the Constitution would not have been ratified by a number of states who demanded a Bill of Rights, thanks to Thomas Jefferson. So let me put the reverse on here, because you mentioned Roger Williams, you and I know who he was, but I'm not convinced that all of our listeners really know who Roger Williams was. So go back and start at the beginning. Tell us a little bit about Roger Williams, who he was, and his contribution here to the founding of American Religious Liberty. Well, he was persecuted for some of his strange ideas, strange at that time, by the Puritan colonial fathers, uh, such as John Cotton and others, and John Winthrop, the governor of the Massachusetts Bay Colony, who actually was quite sympathetic with Roger Williams, but of course uh, had to kowtow to John Cotton and others. And so, you know, that didn't quite stand uh, well with them. They viewed it as heresy, this whole concept of soul liberty. Um, you basically, uh, their views, John Cotton and the, and the whole Puritan establishment, still held on to what's called communitarianism, uh, basically what's good for the Many is good for the few, and uh, this idea that liberty of conscience, individualism, was uh, you know the seed for radical um, individualism and and the seeds of chaos, and so they didn't like that, and so it it really offended their whole sense of community, so to speak. So Williams, just to complete the picture, was a a minister who came to Massachusetts Bay in what 1631, I believe. And so he was quite in the center of all of the political and religious goings on. Well, and he was quite influential back in England. I mean, he was he was a um, 
a major figure in England. He was not somebody who was just a little pawn uh, coming to the New World. He was he was somebody who was big in religious and political circles back home. In fact, even uh, once he did was banned and and basically um, uh, banned from the Massachusetts Bay Colony and essentially had to run for his life. Uh, he was able to establish the colony of Rhode Island because he was able to get a charter from the king himself. That's how influential and powerful he was. And I think, I believe, one of the reasons why he wasn't uh, executed is because they knew that Roger Williams was, uh, you know, had ties with the establishment back home, the king himself. So I think, and, you know, the recent biography of Williams, I think, does a pretty good job of showing his relate his friendship with John Milton, with John mm-hmm. Locke, yep. and how influential, you know, Williams can be very difficult to read. Locke, I would recommend to everybody, you know, Locke's yeah. essay on toleration. Uh, to me, I read Locke as taking the ideas of Roger Williams like a lawyer would and organizing them by bullet points. Um, you know, it was well, logical and brilliant. Yeah. Williams is very, you know, very flowing and, you know, long-winded. <laughs> well, Roger Williams only represents a brief introduction to my book. It basically, it is a coffee table book that provides a colorful pictorial relief of the progression of religious liberty from pilgrims and Puritans to the creation of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and how it shaped a new nation. Um, the Declaration of Independence, the United States Constitution, the amendments to the Constitution, and the Universal Declaration of Human Rights are provided in a rich and colorful panorama with photos and quotes of the founders. And the primary goal of the book is to rediscover and present America's rich heritage in an exciting new way for the reader and the student. So even a child's curiosity is raised and gradually influenced over time to see the value of these documents. And so, you know, it's like a child sitting there with his mother and he sees that uh, book on the coffee table, you know, and if he thumbs through it, he just, the pictures are so wonderful and it creates curiosity so that someday as he's growing up, it may actually influence the direction he takes in terms of his career and his life and may even shape his thinking. And so that's one of the purposes and also to get it into the hands of legislators. In the back of the book, we have our philosophy statement, what the Northwest Religious Liberty Association has achieved, what it stands for, and the services that we offer and ways, the 10 uh, bullet points, ways in which the average person can actually defend religious freedom in the public square. So it's an excellent book. I start out with an introduction, uh, introducing Roger Williams and then course, the purpose of the book, and then an entire essay, which has been peer-reviewed by some very top-notch scholars called The Fight for Religious Freedom, America's Journey in Historical Context. We have a beautiful picture of the Mayflower in the ocean against the sunset, and, you know, we start with Roger Williams. We start with how, you know, the pilgrims came over, and, and we talk about the First Great Awakening, Awakening Seeds of Revolution. We go into the Religious Freedom Revolution and how it got started through um, the challenge to the divine right of kings by Jefferson and Madison. And then, of course, the American Revolution itself and the whole need to establish a Bill of Rights and the whole separation of powers concept was actually hatched out over the fires um, at Valley Forge during the bitter revolutionary winter of 1777 and 78 by Alexander Hamilton and later Chief Justice John Marshall. They're the ones that actually hatched it out and simultaneously Madison as well back in his comfortable home back at Montpelier. So, you know, and they decided finally, at least Madison did, uh, thanks to uh, Jefferson, 
who Madison agreed with Hamilton that after the Constitution um, was signed, hey, you know, he didn't think there was need for a Bill of Rights. And Jefferson, you know, him feverishly from Paris saying, hey, yes, we do need a Bill of the People's Rights to protect the people from themselves because um, they're the biggest threat to our constitutional system. We, the people, are the biggest threat. This mob mentality of which the majority uh, rules without considering anybody's rights, individual rights. And so the whole concept of individual rights, going clear back to Roger Williams, was instituted in our constitutional system. And so that's very important. Um, in our book, we have the Declaration of Principles uh, put forward by Liberty Magazine. We have, of course, our philosophy statement at the end. But throughout all the texts of the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the amendments, and the Universal Declaration of Human Rights are these beautiful pictures and statements from the founders, including contemporary people like Sandra Day O'Connor, Eleanor Roosevelt, uh, and so forth, uh, all pictured throughout. Well, you know, Craig, it's, a, it's a magnificent I'm, book. So. I'm going to want to do another show about the book after I have a copy in hand, because I'm just, <laughs> I'm just thrilled to hear about what your approach has been. You know, listeners, when I was in college and I was studying religious freedom, um, there was basically one shelf on the college library that had books mm. about religious freedom. Today, mm. I have three bookcases full of books on religious freedom. Yeah. The amount of what's been published in the last generation is enormous. But what Greg Hamilton has done is something unique, which is to present it in a way that anybody and you listener can, you know, use it as a coffee table book that's attractive with lots of pictures and, you know, it's a book to browse. You don't have to sit there. You know, we're in a nibble, uh, you know, environment these days. You know, yeah, it's nothing overly and, deep. Yeah, it's basic. You know, so, you know, people's attention span, you know, is, is uh, Twitter or, or PowerPoint bullet points, you know. So mm -hmm. you can exactly. take it in small doses and really get the flavor of, uh, you know, the history of, our American values of religious freedom. So, Greg, I think you've made an enormous contribution um, Thank in you. doing this book. And I'm glad that you also bring it forward to the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, which the U.N. Yeah. adopted at the <clears> urging <throat> of Eleanor Roosevelt. You know, mm -hmm. um, this year is its uh, 70th anniversary, I believe. Yeah, uh, the yeah she authored Declaration. it. She authored it, yeah. So, and so this is, you know, 2018, it goes back to 1948. This is a good time to really this whole year to emphasize the universe. You summed, you've, you've summed up my book really well, and I really appreciate it. Um, we wanted to keep it simple so that even a child could read and lay through the pictures and really grasp what's going on. And that's what we wanted. And everybody that we've field tested it, have gone, wow, you know, why wasn't this ever developed before? And so we hope that it impresses legislators the same way and, of course, markets our program and our services. That that really was the point. We started it out as a brochure and then a magazine, and then our donor said, no, that's those are all throwaways. Nobody's going to keep that. So legislators, when they get this, they're going to want to keep this on their coffee table. They're not going to want to throw this away. They're going to say, wow, this is really cool. Even liberals... Um, can look at this and say, yeah, this is something I can embrace because they champion human rights and, and the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. So it, it's something that attracts them as well. And so it attracts all comers and all receivers. And I'm 
I'm proud of this work, and uh, we want to follow up with another work on our uh, Civil War founding as a country and that contribution, and then later on a separate book on the Civil Rights Movement and its contribution. So those are the three we want to produce. We may even do one just strictly on the Puritan founding, because really what I want to do is focus on America's four foundings and in four founding periods. So to have basically a four-volume set on on presenting the whole panorama of, of where we started and where we've come. And so that's really my, my ultimate goal. I don't know if I'll ever get there, but at least we've got uh, one foot on first base. So, Well, this is a wonderful project, Greg, and you're right. There really are four very distinct foundings and yep. periods that, that have shaped uh, in, in profound ways our legacy of right. And friends, I don't know if you realize that really human rights and religious freedom are America's gift to the world. We may, you know, we fall short all too often, but this is really our major contribution as a nation to global civilization. And, uh, Greg, I really appreciate what you've done. The name of the book again is Soul Liberty, Celebrating America's First Freedom. And listeners, uh, will be able to buy this on Amazon, I trust, and all the yes, usual local locations. Yes. Well, by the time this program airs, it will have definitely been on Amazon by then. Yeah. We're out of time. Our guest today, Greg Hamilton, president of the Northwest Religious Liberty Association, just put out a new book called Soul Liberty, Celebrating America's First Freedom, a beautiful coffee table edition. Thanks for being with us again on Freedom's Ring, my friend. Hey, you're welcome, Alan. Thank you. As we close, we want to remind our listeners here at Freedom's Ring, we don't just talk about religious freedom. We offer help to those suffering religious discrimination. Check out our legal resources page at churchstate.org. Freedom's Ring is now available on SoundCloud, so check out our SoundCloud radio station. And don't forget, friends, freedom is not free. Be informed. Get involved. Join the North American Religious Liberty Association, producer of Freedom's Ring, on the web at religiousliberty.info. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Renner. Until next week, let freedom ring.